So if we have chemicals that are interfering with liver function or that are interfering with these different pathways of detoxification, then we are sort of adding fuel to the fire there. It's a double whammy. And so there's just so many different ways that we can be affected. And what's interesting is that different people can be exposed to the same exact exposures, but have a totally different outcome from those exposures. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Do you ever find yourself needing another one to three cups of coffee to get through your late morning or afternoon? Or you wake up feeling like you need at least one to two more hours of sleep to feel refreshed and ready to start your day? Or do you find yourself saying things like, I'm just tired, or I just need a little extra something to get through this day, or why am I so exhausted already? What if your energy was stripped by environmental toxins? Toxins such as processed food-like substances found in Coca-Cola and Oreos, pesticides and glyphosate on your lemons and strawberries, funky water in the tap served by your waiter at dinner, car exhaust from sitting in traffic, over-the-counter medications, your shampoo, conditioner, window cleaner, mascara, and nail polish, just to name a few. Ooh, yikes. Now, no wonder we are struggling with feeling tired and exhausted. It's these very stressors mentioned that take a toll on our gut, our liver, our cellular structures, and most importantly, our little mitochondria. Now, in case you are hearing about these energy powerhouses for the first time, let me quickly tell you about the mitochondria's role in you either feeling super energized or completely burned out. The key function of mitochondria is the generation of cellular energy. Cellular metabolism converts carbohydrates, fats, and proteins into energy. It's within mitochondria that the main processes that allow the extraction of energy from nutrients occur. But mitochondria have many other roles. They regulate calcium levels in the cells. They participate in heat generation and brown fat. They contribute to immunity and inflammation, and they play a key part in cell survival and cell death pathways. And these are just a few examples. Now, recent research had discovered that mitochondria are key to accelerated aging if damaged by toxins and stressors. When our mitochondria are damaged, it can lead to the development of a wide range of of age-related diseases along with chronic fatigue. Given the fact that mitochondria has everything to do with our energy levels, addressing toxins is an important part of loving our mitochondria and preserving our energy. So with that said, are you up for some real talk around environmental toxins and how they impact our hormones, our liver, our gut, our brain, our cells, and those little mitochondria? Because I brought on my go-to environmental toxin expert, Laura Adler, to provide real talk facts and advice about our environment and provide easy to implement ways to reduce our toxic load. Now, as a woman in this modern world, it's important to understand harmful effects that toxic ingredients in our daily personal care products and our makeup and our cleaning products have on our health and the health of our entire family. There is now strong evidence linking dangerous toxins and synthetics in personal care products and everyday products to chronic diseases such as reproductive toxicity, autoimmunity, allergies, and cancer. 
Recent studies have found parabens and phthalates showing up in breast milk and body tissues from fragrances, cosmetics, even shampoos and conditioners. Equally important is the impact synthetic preservatives and fragrances are having on the environment. Persistent pollutants do not degrade. They literally stay in the environment for years and they remain in our water supply and our soil. This in turn affects our food and the water that we drink. As a hormone expert, I have studied the effects of synthetic chemicals on endocrine and reproductive health. The endocrine system is our hormone regulating system, regulating everything from reproduction, mood, immunity, and metabolism and brain function. Xenoestrogens such as BPA, paraffins, phthalates can alter female reproductive development, fertility, and the early onset of menopause, along with metabolism and mood. So given this alarming information, how do we begin to set ourselves up for success? How can we be more proactive about reducing our exposure and even addressing toxins once they're inside of the body? Well, it's one small step at a time. If you are ready to start somewhere, I recommend swapping out your cleaning products, your personal care, and your medicine cabinet for more non-toxic options, because these are things we use every single day. Now, if you're looking for some favorite do-it-yourself recipes, I have a ton of them in the Smart Mom's Guide to Essential Oils, and I'll have the link in the show notes in case you want to go check out that little book of mine. And if you're really wanting to give your body a much-needed reset, we are about to close the doors on our spring 14-day hormone detox. Why not join me for just 14 days and literally degunk your liver, gut, and hormone pathways so that your body can start performing the way it's supposed to. My detox is focused on giving you the right foods with recipes so there is zero guesswork about what to eat or eliminate. This sets the stage for liver, gut, and thyroid to recover so that detoxification and metabolism get back to normal functioning. It also allows for each of our cells and our hormones to be replenished while it's letting go of the hormone-disrupting toxins that are impairing our cells and mitochondria. Now, we still have a few spots left, and the community support is going to be incredible, so you will not be doing this alone. You will have me and hundreds of other women creating powerful healing transformations together. Now, if you're ready to experience more energy like yesterday... The link to sign up and join us will be in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 169, or you can go to drmarisa.com slash detox. Super, super easy to find. Now that you have my special invitation to create more energy, vitality, and hormone balance, I want to take a moment and celebrate you. Every single day, I hear from new listeners who are recommended by you. One such listener is Dawn Klein, and she reached out to me on Instagram just a couple weeks ago. Here's what Dawn had to say. Your focus on what to eat on this show has made such a difference for me and my metabolism. You do it in such a way that makes me feel like I can do it too. Thank you for opening the door to what's possible in my healing journey by offering small steps and research to back it up. I also love your emphasis on self-care and rituals to support us. Well, thank you so much for sharing your epic win, Dawn. So happy to shout you out today. And I am so glad that you are feeling fully prepared to support your body and your hormones with foundational nutritional recommendations. Now, if you're listening, I would love to gift you a signed copy of the EO Hormone Solution book. It just hit the one-year anniversary mark, and it's got tons of fun recipes for you. And I'll also have a personal note for me. Just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Marisa, and we will send it out very shortly. Now, if you are listening, number one, welcome to this episode. And if you've listened to episodes in the past and they've had any impact on you at all, I would love to shout you out. 
just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram or even review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast you love to plug into. That way I can continue to serve you and other women looking to create not only amazing healing transformations, but to become the CEO of their health. Now let's jump into this amazing conversation with Laura Adler. But before I bring her on, I want to quickly sing her praises. Laura Adler is an environmental toxin expert and educator and a certified holistic health coach who teaches health coaches, nutritionists, and other holistic health practitioners to eliminate the number one thing holding their clients back from the results that they're seeking. That is addressing the unaddressed link between chemicals and chronic health problems. She trains practitioners to become experts in everyday toxic exposures so that they can improve their client outcomes without spending hundreds of hours researching them on their own. Well, let's bring Laura onto the show. Welcome, Laura Adler, to the Essentially You podcast. How are you doing, girl? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be back here chatting with you. Oh, my goodness. I am so happy. I was thinking about, like, we need to cover this topic. We're talking about everyday detoxification. And when I think about... Ooh, all the scaries in the world, how to manage a lot of the toxins in the you world. Think of me. I always think of you. And right. I love you so much, as you know. And so I'm really excited to be able to have you share some of your like big takeaways regarding what we can do on the daily to significantly reduce probably one of the biggest root causes of disease today, which is yes, toxins. Absolutely. Absolutely. So girl, how did you get into this? Like you are my environmental toxins expert. You are my, when it comes to the research, it comes to the science, you like, you're like a bulldog for it. What inspired you to do this work? Um, the short version is just seeing an incredible education gap in this area amongst the health professionals that are out there, boots on the ground, doing the work, um, working with people on diet, lifestyle issues, uh, transformations and people that are working with those that are dealing with some kind of chronic health issue. Um, there's a significant education gap around environmental health. And the more I started to learn about these connections between these chronic low levels of, you know, every single day, day in, day out exposures to chemicals in our food and in our personal care products, and how the research is showing that these exposures are being linked quite uh, convincingly across the literature spectrum of all of these different diseases that people are dealing with from developmental issues to eczema, to Alzheimer's, to cancer, to fertility issues. You know, the research is there, but it just wasn't making it into the conversation that people were having with their clients and with their patients and on their own health journey around, you know, getting better. And that really struck me as a very sort of gross oversight and a tremendous missed opportunity to address something that can really alleviate a lot of the burden that our bodies currently have to live in this world. Mm. And do you think, you know, kind of recognizing that gap, was it possible that any of us or some of us were trying to ignore some of that? Um, oh, certainly. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, the big black cloud. Like I jokingly say, like, I can clear a room. I can ruin any fun thing that you're doing because I know a lot of things. I try not to do that, of course. Um, but I definitely think that there is a lot of like sticking your fingers in your ears and kind of, no, 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 no. I don't want to know about it because it's a big beast to slay. 
it's a, you know, once you kind of start going down that rabbit hole of looking at the way, you know, chemical X affects us or chemical Y affects us, what ends up happening is that this whole world kind of, you know, opens up to you. And that world is scary. And it certainly can force us to face some of the habits or behaviors that we've developed over our lifetimes. And, you know, we have to look at that and say, is this something I want to continue to do or not? You know, I think that there's certain pockets of this environmental health conversation that elicit more of the like, I don't want to know about it. That's certainly I would put like EMFs into that category because people are like, not tell me that I need to change the way that I use my devices, right? Like, so there's definitely a lot of resistance in that realm, but more broadly speaking, I just think it's an overwhelming topic. And I think that the rabbit hole is very deep. And, you know, at least with the practitioner audience that I see, they're busy running their practices. They don't have the time always to do that research. And then for the consumer, the non-practitioner, it's so dense and technical and complicated and they feel like they need a PhD in order to, you know, even understand this conversation. And I think that really keeps a lot of people away from even looking at it. And then there's certainly going to be people that like just disbelieve that it's an issue at all. And, you know, I think there is certain willful ignorance in that space, which isn't going to help us in the long run. Mm, I hear all of that. And I agree. And I can imagine, and I, even as I have dug into this, nowhere near to the extent you have, it absolutely becomes a big rabbit hole. And I know today our goal is to really not only create clarity, but also how do we start to chip away at this? Like, how do we begin to create simple steps and simple ways in order to support our bodies so that we are, so that we're thriving for as many years as possible so that our brain is functioning. We feel good. We've got the energy. Our mitochondria are happy and they're not going in major hibernation mode because they are feeling <laughs> like there's toxins all around them. <laughs> Stranger right. danger. Yeah. So I think a little Crazy. mitochondria just like, ah, <laughs> what do I do? Okay, so let's talk about what is a toxin. Because I know so many people are like, okay, parabens, pesticides, glyphosate, you know, DDT. I mean, there's so many things out there. <laughs> talk a little bit to me about what, what they are. What is this? I'll kind of look at it from two different perspectives. So technically speaking, I mean, very technical standpoint, a toxin is actually something that is produced by or derived from a plant or an animal. So in the field of environmental health, when we are talking about synthetic man-made chemicals like DDT or parabens or phthalates, what we're actually talking about are what are called toxicants, CO toxins versus toxicants. Generally speaking, these words are lumped together. Some people like to make clear that distinction. Generally speaking, what we are talking about are merely substances. Doesn't matter if they're natural or not because mercury is natural, lead is natural, that these substances, chemicals we'll just call for short, have some kind of negative, toxic, detrimental effect on the organism of the human or of animals or in the environment. And so very broadly speaking, that's what we mean. Now, another sort of layer of clarification there in this space of environmental health, we want to make clear that what we're talking about are not all chemicals, but chemicals that the research suggests causes harm. And we have to recognize that technically everything is a chemical. And so we don't want to step into this conversation thinking like, quote, chemicals are bad because our hormones are chemicals. The air we breathe is a chemical. The water, 
everything is chemical. And so we just want to be a little bit more precise about that language. And, you know, in this conversation, it's implied that we're talking about chemicals that can cause harm. Another layer of sort of defining what we mean by toxic is not necessarily something that is acutely toxic, meaning you get bleach in your eyes, you have to go to the emergency room, you have to call poison control because your kid ate a laundry pot or something like that. All those things happen. Yes, those are acute toxicity issues. Somebody has a very acute immediate response, whether it's a skin blistering or whatever, something that's an emergency situation. This is generally not what we see in this space, but what we see instead is this chronic exposure to low levels of toxins that sometimes the symptoms, one, get confused with other things, or two, they might take 10, 20, or 30 years to manifest in a disease. And so it's really looking at toxicity from a different perspective. We're not looking at acute toxicity. We're looking at the sort of slow, heavy rock on the chest of our health that is suffocating us and will end up in, you know, can, can lead towards increased risks of X, Y, and Z conditions. And so it's, that's really what we're talking about in terms of what do we mean by toxicity? What do we mean by toxic chemical? We're just looking at this massive array of things that we encounter in our lives by, you know, waking up in the morning, washing our hair, getting dressed, making breakfast, getting in the car, driving to work. These exposures are happening um, in small amounts. Any single amount is generally not meaningful, but it's the collective cumulative load that we're um, dealing with that can become meaningful over people. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it really does lend to the fact that we are relatively resilient. I mean, with that fact that we can work with what we got right now in the circumstances that we're in. However, like you said, it's an accumulation over time. The body just wears down. Over time, our cells lose their resilience. And that's when we start to see problems. And it's also that we now are dealing with toxic chemicals that our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents did not ever have to encounter. And so like, it's a miracle that, you know, we're all functioning and, and many of us are thriving and that's great, but it's not certainly due to any exposures to chemicals. I think that if we eliminated that, you know, the bar would be raised in terms of what we would consider normal, healthy, but you know, humans nowadays, animals, wildlife are dealing with magnitudes, more synthetic man-made chemicals, poor nutrition, more stress than previous generations. And so our bodies are kind of reaching this limit of like what it's able to do right? It's really kind of under its thumb right now. Um, And that's, I think, why we're seeing lots of uh, spikes in chronic illness. Well, spikes in chronic illness earlier in life. We really are seeing that more than any anything. So let's talk about when we, we talk about toxins, we talk about toxicants, whether what the man-made, I think mostly the man-made ones are, are definitely higher and more proliferative than I think about someone eating a bark that they shouldn't be consuming or some type of plant-based thing. So talk to me about what, when in which, I mean, clearly we talked about, you mentioned cancer, autoimmune condition, developmental issues, reproductive issues, obesogens, storing of fat or, or literally shutting down our metabolic hormones. Talk to me about exactly what is happening inside of the body that these toxins are are basically causing inside of the system. 
Right. So, you know, for some chemicals, the mechanism of action is pretty clear for others. Like we're still trying to figure that out exactly how they're affecting us. But what we do is we look at epidemiological data of, you know, large swaths of the population that have high levels of these chemicals. And we're sort of looking for associations and those associations help us help point us in the right direction for research that will uncover the mechanism when that research is ultimately done. So this field is pretty emerging. And even though there's magnitudes more research being published in this topic now than even there was 10 years ago, like there's still a lot we have to learn. But for other chemicals, the mechanisms of action are pretty clear. And what's a little bit scary is that some chemicals can work on lots of different pathways. So for example, you might have a chemical like a phthalate that is a hormone disrupting chemical. It acts as a synthetic estrogen. It interferes with testosterone production, but these chemicals can also indirectly lead to increased risks of cancers through that hormone action. So if we're looking at like estrogen dependent breast cancers or ovarian cancers, we, you know, the research suggests that these increases in synthetic estrogens like phthalates can lead to increased risk of breast cancers, ovarian, uterine cancers, et cetera, as well as other estrogen dominant conditions like PCOS, uterine fibroids, endometriosis, infertility for sure. In some instances, there's a, a very direct link or mechanism of action. And then for many others, it's very indirect. So for example, if we're looking at chemicals like flame retardants, for example, that are typically on couches or on on carpets or on bedding um, or like actual mattresses. Yeah. They're not typically found in mattresses anymore, thankfully. Certainly it's still possible, but not on my mattress, that's for sure. We have an organic mattress. <laughs> mattress. I was yes, but naming things. I, I probably there are there are a couple things in my home that have flame retardant materials. Yeah, and that's the average home has that. But you know, so these chemicals can be linked to developmental issues in children, partly because they suppress thyroid function and reduce thyroid function during pregnancy leads to negative outcomes in the children. So things like reduced IQ, increased risk of developmental disabilities, even things like increased risk of autism because maternal thyroid is low. And so it's not that the flame retardant is directly causing some kind of neurological issue. It's that it's dropping the levels of thyroid hormone in the body or interfering with thyroid production. And that is the cause So, and oftentimes we do have these indirect ways that these chemicals can affect us, but certainly one of the areas that has the largest sort of most robust body of data is around endocrine disruption. So these are just chemicals that interfere with the normal functioning of our hormone system or endocrine system. You know, people think hormones, they think, oh, estrogen, testosterone, and that's it. But it's like every hormone, it's thyroid hormone, it's leptin and ghrelin. These are the hormones that, you know, tell your body like, I'm full. I'm not full. And the most important hormones really, because in order for us to function, we need, we need a good running metabolism. We need nutrient uptake 
that is also ran by these hormones. I mean, when we think about the hormone system, these are these are what I call power players for us because honestly, we, we're not able to, mitochondria can't do their job. Our cells can't have the energy that they need if we didn't have these hormones working for us in a way that are efficient and functional. Right, and that's probably why this body of endocrine disrupting chemicals has the largest and most robust research behind it is because once we recognize that you know this molecule looks almost exactly like our body's estradiol molecule then we start going hmm and we know estradiol is a very potent sex hormone and we know all of the things that it can help control or regulate and then we have all these mimics these xenoestrogens or foreign estrogens or xenobiotics however we want to phrase them that come in and they can interfere with normal levels of production of those hormones they're like a, a masquerade party not a fun party but a masquerade party not a fun masquerade not like, a, like party crashers yeah exactly like a party crasher where they come in and they like you know bump out a normal estradiol molecule from docking or whatever. And so this is part of the the problem. But the other thing that we have to consider in this is not just specific to endocrine disruption is, and this is you know what we're going to get into is like, how do we reduce our load? How do we do this everyday detox thing? Is that some of these chemicals interfere with the very organs and the very processes that are necessary to deal with toxic exposures. So if we have chemicals that are interfering with liver function or that are interfering with these different pathways of detoxification, then we are sort of adding fuel to the fire there. It's a double whammy. And so there's just so many different ways that we can be affected. And what's interesting is that different people can be exposed to the same exact exposures, but have a totally different outcome from those exposures. Totally, which makes it hard to measure too. And I think that has a lot to do with other resilience or other things that we may be doing, or maybe epigenetics are playing a major role here. I mean, clearly it gets very complicated. You know, uh, someone's gut may be a lot healthier than someone else's gut. Someone's liver, maybe they didn't drink for 10 years prior to that moment. And, and maybe the other person had five shots of tequila. The night before, like you think about all the different factors that play into that moment of exposure, it can be, I can imagine it feeling very difficult to measure and figure out what's going on. And it is. And this is where, you know, we're, we butt up against the limits of epidemiology because we can only kind of make these inferences and see these associations and then spend many, many years going down each one of those rabbit holes to see if they, we can find an answer. And that's the, that's the job of science, right? Like that's what science is for is to figure those things out. So we still have a lot to learn, but I think the body of evidence, particularly around endocrine disrupting chemicals is is pretty significant. And there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these chemicals that are already recognized as being actual or suspected of being able to mess with our hormones. And what's concerning is, you know, just to add another layer to the complexity conversation of doing this research is that, you know, we're not exposed to a single chemical at a time. It's nothing happens in isolation. So even if you pick up a bottle of shampoo, you might see, you know, 30 different chemicals in there, maybe four or five of them are questionable, but that's just one product. And so all of these research that we have is typically on individual ex- chemicals and how it affects this mechanism. But what 
the research that has looked at like what happens if we have you know this endocrine disrupting chemical and this endocrine disrupting chemical together what they find is that there's this compounding cumulative effect so one plus one does not equal two one plus one might equal five so it's this amplification and that you know what that tells us is that most of the research that we have is like sort of a gross underestimation of what the potential impact is hmm. Ooh, we're yeah, all so- switch gears. So definitely on one on top of the other, clearly lots of lots of ways in which these toxins are playing a role. Like you said, not only are they disrupting, and most importantly, where we're seeing, I guess I'm assuming the biggest impact is when they're actually disrupting the very organs that are meant to remove toxins from the system. I think when people start to see that overload. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a very important factor because it's just making the situation worse and making us less resilient and less able to deal with things that, like, you know, we theoretically should be able to deal with. Theoretically. (laughs) Okay, so we talked a little bit about top places of exposure, at least for, for my ladies. Clearly, you know, we talk a lot about estrogen metabolites. We talk a lot about the liver getting its booty handed to him, handed to it, handed to her. Clearly brain function, we see brain fog and, you know, as a, as a, a side effect of inflammation inside of the brain, then gut issues are happening. All of these things really adding up and creating chronic conditions over time. Any other places, I mean, and then cells. I always tell people cell, disease is cellular. Is this, all, this is all happening on a cellular level. Every little cell is just trying to get by and keep its little home tidy. And when it's not able to do so, that's when we really start to see problems. Yeah. And so certainly there's a long giant list of chemicals that, you know, seem to directly target mitochondrial function and our it damage our mitochondria. And if we don't have energy production in our cells and our tissues and organs, then like the whole ship is going down at that point maybe not sinking, but it's certainly struggling, right? It's, you know, the whole ship is requiring coffee at 11 and then two and then five and then nine, you know, just to get through the day. That's what's happening with the ship is that it's needing more caffeine to get through the day. Because ultimately, I, mean, I think a lot of people don't realize the, the, the role of mitochondria, which is you and I just looking at each other right now requires mitochondrial energy. All of the automatic responses in the system, you breathing, your digestive system working for you, whether you know it or not, that all requires mitochondrial energy. And so it's it's no surprise that probably one of the biggest symptoms of toxic overload or any type of toxic exposure is over time getting tired, fatigue, yep. and exhaustion. Brain fog. Brain you know, fog, the, yes. What I want people to get is that it's not just toxicity, right? That's caused that are causing these issues. It's just a piece of the conversation. So the crappy diet, the staying up until one on your cell phone on Facebook, like all of those things are not helping either. Just being in this sort of fight or flight chronic stress because of the world we live in, all of those things are certainly compounding together. But I like to focus on the toxicity part because it doesn't seem that very many people are. And so, yeah. Absolutely. When I think about root causes, I talk a lot about that in the podcast and I I name off some of the big, heavy hitting root causes, but what I think is such a big driver to some of those root causes. So gut dysbiosis, toxins, nutrient deficiencies, toxins, and co-infections, 
absolutely driven by toxins. You know, a bacteria and a virus sees a compromised body and they're going to go after it. So whatever type of co-infections that may look like, the intangibles that I talk about that toxins could absolutely play a role on to some degree is going to be the perceived chronic stress and, and, and trauma. You know, those are things that, that are coming in. It's not like we can just change the shampoo and those are gone. I wish I could shampoo and grease smoothie myself out of the trauma I have dealt with as a child, but that's not going to happen. But still, when I look at some of those big root causes that I talk about all the time, and mind you, toxins are on that list and heavy metals are on that list as well, and they are, they are the toxins, but I, that their toxic exposure is massive drivers of a lot of those other root causes unfolding in the body. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, who's the founder of Bastyr University and a leading voice in the environmental medicine space, has said that toxicity is the primary driver of disease, that this is actually what's underscoring, just like you said, you know, whether it's a gut dysbiosis or an immune system issue or, you know, a neurological issue or a, a hormonal issue, any of these things is that, you know, we're all, you know, there's what's fascinating to me when we're looking at it through the research lens is there's no control. So normally in research, we have like an exposed population and an unexposed population. We don't even have that because the, you know, the CDC does and other countries around the world do these biomonitoring tests. And they show that, you know, in, in the majority of people between like 90, 98, 99% of people, these chemicals are in their bodies. And so there's no control. There's no way to say like, aha, so we don't really actually even. So it's not like a little teeny community that was there well, there hiding in a, in a cave somewhere where they were not exposed to any McDonald's. They had no Coca-Cola. Goodness knows Coca-Cola has proliferated around this world. Yes, there is one. Okay, there's one. And um, maybe there's a couple of small, you know, religious communities, but there was an article published years ago. I think it was in like Slate or something like that. And the, the title of the article was, Want to Avoid Toxic Chemicals? Drop Out of Modern Society. And the article was featuring a community of old order Mennonites, like an Amish sect that, you know, doesn't use personal care products. They don't use these chemical household cleaners. They don't, you know, drive in cars that are plastic. They don't buy all this stuff. They are not exposed to exhaust. Pesticides. Yeah, they yeah. don't have... So like there are control. Yes. I, all right. We go. So there's a group. And honestly, so interesting. Like that's a group that's actually within modern culture. I was thinking of like the Brazil Amazon, you know, or, or you know, somewhere deep in the depths of like the rainforest where we can't even find them. And maybe they're drinking Coca-Cola, unfortunately. Hmm. I but, know they're not. But yeah. Fingers crossed. Okay. So we're gonna. So luckily, there's a tiny bit of a control out there that we can look at. I mean, you know it, I know it, we all know it, that we are unknowingly being exposed to toxins. So many of us, we feel like crap. Girl, if I have to get into another lift where someone is dumping fragrance, Glade fragrance on me, I swear to God, I'm going to throw a fit. Like I have turned cars down because I, I tell them, I'm like, I will get, a, you're going to trigger up a migraine for me. I just want to speak to that really quick. It's like a personal kind of selfish question. Like, so when I was growing up as a little girl, once upon a time, um, I, it was my job to clean. I think we've even had this conversation, but it was my job to clean the tub and we had common girl. We had a common and ammonia, like the big old jug of ammonia and yeah. the, the blue, ugh, the nasty. So I knew that if I wasn't able to get out of that, that bathroom within about five minutes, 
I would trigger up a migraine. Before that, I'd had a lot of head trauma, so migraines were very prevalent for me, and and toxins were one of my massive triggers. And I felt like I was playing chicken with the chemicals at any any given day of the week. And oftentimes, I lost the battle. Like I wouldn't, I always got these migraines. And I'll be honest with you, still to this day, I have been so so sensitive to particularly smells, synthetic smells, that I will I will get triggered into a headache or a migraine of some sort. Now I hear that you know that when when you have that level of sensitivity, is it that you just have because we've done a really we've done a really great job of removing a lot of chemicals from our house. Like we use a lot of of, of organic all the things. Is it that when you let's say you reduce your toxic exposure at least within your home environment, or you've removed fragrances from your house? Are you more sensitive to those synthetic? Like if I walk by Bed Bath and Beyond, it is over. Like, you know, you just like, I walk on the other side of the mall. Or is it that someone who's got maybe a higher level of toxicity have more sensitivity? I think it actually can be both. And so it could be that there's like some, you know, you have some genetic polymorphism. That means that you're not as good at detoxifying certain compounds. So that might be a problem. It could just be that there's a sluggish liver or there's just some incapacity or or reduced capacity to detoxify. And that's why you have that immediate response. And it could be that you just, you know, it's, it's like our palates change, right? So if somebody eats junk food and Roy Rogers and French fries, of course, healthy food is going to taste bland, right? Because they're being hyper exposed to these chemicals and, and, and hyper processed foods. And it takes them a while to, change their palate and adjust to healthy eating. And then they go back to eat those foods and they're like, Oh my God, that's oh so my God. It tastes that's like plastic. The- right. And, and so I, you know, like I wonder if that sort of same thing happens in our bodies when we reduce our exposures to these chemicals that we just become more sensitive, which I actually think is a good thing. Absolutely. Well, I think particularly fragrance too, in particular, when we switched all the way over to essential oils, like any fragrance was just, even Alex, like I would say he's far less sensitive than I am, but it's just like, oh, hell no. Um, It just, it just immediately. And I always think about terms of food. I remember my, my mom came over the other day and I've done this to a lot of friends on accident, but we only buy green juice. Like there is no apple in it, girl. It is, it is parsley, cilantro, and greens, like maybe lemon and ginger if you're lucky. And so every time I've given, so someone's like, I'm like, would you like a green juice? And they, and every time they literally, it's all, oh, or they spit it out. I had a friend of mine who we were in, um, a friend of that you may know, we were in Vegas and I was just, I wasn't drinking. I was just drinking green juices and we were all together. And she just looked, I was, I was drinking this juice and she was looking at me like, are you going to let me have some? And I was like, okay, it's green. So she drank it. She may have been a little tipsy and like, she literally just spit it out. (laughs) I was like, all right. (laughs) You know? And so a lot of people, it just reminds me of like how many, how different our palates can be. And I always tell people, you gotta kind of, you gotta work up to that level of green juice. Yes, for certain. But you know, I think that being sensitive to it, it has its pros and cons, right? Like it's annoying because we're like getting on an airplane and we're sitting this person next to us is doused in cologne and we're like, Ugh, <sighs> right. So, but on the other hand, like, I think these are warnings, right? Like these are warnings. You don't get a migraine from walking into a cow pasture, even though it's very fragrant and strong smelling because of cow poop, right? Like we don't get migraines triggered 
that way. But you walk into a Bed Bath and Beyond, and that might be a trigger for you because these are, you know, what you're smelling are solvents. What you're smelling are chemicals that have off-gassed semi-volatile and volatile organic compounds that are directly entering your bloodstream immediately because inhalation is the fastest way to get something into your body. Aside from an injection, like that's the fastest way to get something into your bloodstream. And so it's no wonder that people have very immediate responses to if they're sensitive to things like fragrances as opposed to people that, you know, maybe don't react to fragrances the same way, but it, you know, that makes sense for people that are sensitive that that's, they're going to have an immediate reaction. Mm. Thank you so much for clarifying that. I mean, I'm loving up on this liver every day. I'm not going to lie. I probably did some damage to this liver earlier in my lifetime, but yes, we're just really mindful. And what I appreciate, although definitely a concern in terms of like, am I hypersensitive because I'm at a threshold and I'm being, I'm really mindful of that, but I really do appreciate the fact that my body immediately tells me stranger danger. Like this is not where you should be right now. There is way too much nasty chemical, nasty in the air. And it's so interesting. I have a really great sense of smell because I can't see or hear. And I just, I always just assume it's because I can't see or hear. Clearly we know our sense of smell is way stronger than our sight, our touch and um, our ability to hear. But I'll walk into a room, I'll walk into anywhere and I can immediately pick something up. And Alex is just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm that way with cigarette smoke. I can smell. Oh my gosh. I can smell it like a mile away. I'm like, and I'm just starting. I just like, where is it? Where is I start to freak out. I hate cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age, I just literally, every time I see somebody smoking, I'm like, do you, it's 2020. Oh my goodness. And if I'm working out or running and you're smoking, better be careful. I don't have like something on me to hit you with. Anyway, what can we do? Let's get into what can we, okay, you have scared me enough. I want to know. And I mean, it's immediate. Like I start thinking about, I know that as much as we've done really great work in the house, clearly there's furniture and there's things in this house that, you know, and we off gas everything, everything goes into the garage, everything goes outside well before. And it blows my mind how much people have never heard of that concept of off gassing. I don't necessarily want to go down that rabbit hole, but that's how mindful we we're always being. How do we even start? Because I know that's that the rabbit hole that we talked about where people are like, la, 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 la. I don't want to, I don't want to know about this because I don't want to even think about what it's going to take for me to actually start making these changes. Right. So I, I really like have refined this more and more over the years in talking to people and doing, you know, sharing this information with people and seeing how overwhelmed they get is that I think the easiest place to start is with what's free and easy. Right. Like what's free and easy. What's air. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, the reality is like we were talking mattresses, couches, we, not everybody can afford to go out and, you know, completely refurnish their homes, nor do they want to, they may not even need to. And so we don't want to just tell people scary stuff about what's in their furniture and then say, well, it's going to cost you $2,000 to fix that because then people are going to go, oh my God, being healthy is impossible. And so we don't want to do that. We want to show people what are some meaningful things that we can do that's free and that are easy. And so the number one thing that I encourage people to do that's not only free, but will ultimately save you money is just stop buying scented candles, air fresheners, plugins, sprays, just stop buying them and throw out what you have. I'm like, and if you're a Lyft driver, get rid of the dang. I don't know. Are there really that many stinky people driving in Lyft cars? Like, 
because I don't understand why. And I just feel so bad for Lyft drivers because I'm like, you are literally oh, yeah. doing yourself. It's not a um, directive from Lyft. It's just a choice, personal choice from the driver. Oh man, I it's a, a couple to get rid of them, but you know, who knows what they do when I get out of the I car. I cannot tell you, I have, you know, my a full confession is like when I go to the, my workouts or I go, honestly, even I've done it when I've gone to people's homes, I've literally thrown the glades away. I was like, I can't, I am doing you a favor by throwing this away behind the scene. Mostly just gyms I've done it with. I, and I'll, I'll, and when I've talked to the girls in the front, they just look at me like I, like there's a fish, like I, like I put some type of mask on. Like I'm like, they just look at me like I'm crazy is basically what happened. And I'm like, you don't understand. You guys are just sitting in this, you know, every single day. And it's just, na- it's just so nasty. Yeah. It's terrible. So the easiest thing to do is to just stop buying those, throw them out. Um, the next easy thing to do is to open your windows. And I think people don't recognize how bad the air inside their home is, they just don't because, you know, you kind of become um, nose deaf, I think is the expression. Like you don't smell the things that you smell because you're just used to that's your house smell. But, you know, what people don't realize is that the air quality inside your home can be significantly worse than what's happening outside, even though we think like, oh, there's trucks and cars and pollution. The air inside is often worse because we have all these materials that are off-gassing. And, you know, just because you can't smell something doesn't mean it's not off-gassing. So some furniture, some paint, you know, paints, things like that, they'll off-gas forever. There's no point at which they're done off-gassing. And so, yeah, that doesn't exist. Or it might be decades, right? And then, you know, no one's sitting there looking at the clock going, is it done yet? Because then you're bringing new stuff in all the time. And so all of these chemicals that off-gas get trapped in our house. And like I said earlier, the fastest way for chemicals to enter our bloodstream is through inhalation. And that's just us wandering around our homes. So we want to improve our indoor air quality. And we do that by no longer bringing in things that pollute the indoor air. And that's a longer process. We do the best that we can. But again, we start with don't bring in the scented candles and air fresheners and get rid of the Febreze sprays and the even those reed diffusers. You know, the oil that they sit in is just synthetic chemicals. So if you want your house to smell like anything, essential oils or flowers, that's it. And then you open your windows. Even in the winter, I have my windows open at least, you know, half an hour every day for air exchange. I want the air inside my house to go out and I want air from outside to come in. And, you know, that actually started to become a problem in the 1970s when people began to build homes with a focus on energy efficiency. And so now we have all these like really tightly sealed homes people have central air, they don't open their windows, and that can become a problem. So that's actually a really easy way to, you know, just make a habit of opening all the windows in the morning. You know, I've heard some people do, they just open all the windows, and then by the time they get back to the beginning, they just start closing them all, just so that you've got 10 or 15 minutes of good air circulation. The next one is take your shoes off at the front door. Like, these don't seem like they're meaningful, right? Like, well, who cares? Like, how's that going to help me be healthier? We track in all kinds of pesticides, heavy metals, all kinds of, it's not just like dog poop. It's not dirt. Like the dirt is probably the least of the problems. It's all the other stuff that comes along with it. And if we have carpeting in our home, which most people do, even if it's not wall to wall, you're just tracking all those chemicals into the carpet where they get stuck and where they live. The carpets become like a container for all of these toxins. And so like, let's just 
do a simple behavior of take our shoes off at the front door and don't wear them into the house, especially if there's babies or children, because they're the ones that are crawling around on the floor and they have, you know, higher levels of exposures of a lot of these chemicals because of that. So those are three free, easy things that people can do every single day to help start reducing exposure. From there, when we're looking at proactive interventions, I really emphasize the consumption of organic food as much as is possible with someone's budget. To me, it's just a non-negotiable because so many of those pesticide residues are endocrine disrupting, neurotoxic, carcinogenic, reproductive toxins. And so, you know, this is something that we're putting into our bodies every single day. And we want that food to give us the fuel to actually be able to better handle toxins. So not only do the foods need to be organic, but they need to be nutrient dense. So they need to, you know, you got to eat the rainbow. You got to eat, you know, your six to nine cups of vegetables every single day. Like these to me are non-negotiables and it's surprising to see how little fruits and vegetables that people eat. So I look at that not only as a mechanism for reducing exposures, but also amplifying our body's ability to do its job, right? So that's the everyday detox that I like to talk about because we we detox every day and eating the right kinds of foods allow that, facilitate that process. Got it. Absolutely. And then how about water? Yeah. So water is actually, it is huge. It's usually not first on my list. No, because it's Because it's more expensive, right? If people, cost is not an issue, then yeah, go filter your water straight away. Filter appropriately. I have, you know, I ended up having to create a whole course on this topic because I got so many questions. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times got the same question, what kind of water filter should I buy? Everyone's water is different. There is no perfect one single filter that does everything. And why spend, you know, $700 when $200 might fit the bill? You really do have to look at what's in your water first because everyone has different contaminants. But yeah, filtering filtering your water is, is pretty key, but it's not the first thing if people are like concerned about how much they're going to have to spend. Absolutely. That makes sense. And then from there, that's really where I start looking deeper into the kitchen. Cause again, the kitchen is like the room that it's easiest for people to, I think, associate with being healthy is the kitchen, right? So let's just kind of make it easier and point them in that direction. So, you know, making sure that you're not using plastics in direct contact with your food. That means like, you know, swapping out those plastic uh, storage, food storage containers with glass. That means looking at, you know, kind of doing an inventory of where is plastic being used in your kitchen. We don't want to be afraid of plastic. We're going to, plastic has, you know, is, is made, has certainly made our lives better and easier. It will always exist in our homes. We just don't want it in contact with our food if possible. And so, you know, that's actually a a significant exposure source to the phthalates and the bisphenols, the BPA, BPS, BPF, that people more commonly are aware of is they're coming from these plastic materials. And so we don't want to put our food in contact with those. That means, you know, we don't put plastics in the microwave. We don't put plastics in the dishwasher because it's really, really hot and acidic and caustic in there with the dishwasher detergent. And so we just want to be mindful of how we're using plastics in the kitchen. From there, we can look at our cookware. That might be a bigger investment for people to swap out. Certainly doesn't have to be expensive. 
And then once we've kind of, there's a couple other areas in the kitchen, you know, um, food packaging and stuff like that and canned food consumption that you can kind of minimize buying food in cans, canned soup, canned tomatoes. Um, they will uh, be significant exposure sources to bisphenol uh, chemicals. And then from there, looking at personal care products, which is a big category to be certain. So, you know, just picking one thing at a time, one product at a time. What I like to tell people is, you know, when your foundation runs out, now's a great time to swap it with something safer and better that doesn't have these phthalates, that doesn't have, you know, these parabens and other endocrine disrupting chemicals in them. You don't have to throw everything out and kind of start fresh. If somebody wants to do that, fine. But you know, it's, it, it can be costly. And so I say, look, if it takes six months or six years, so long as you're moving in this progressive direction forward of reducing your exposures, great. I'm going to add one more thing in the free and easy category that I didn't think of is saying no to cash register receipts. That's a huge one. It's a huge one, right? So cash register receipts are coated with bisphenol chemicals, because the powder is so, so fine, and that's actually a powder coating on the paper, um, it absorbs really, really quickly into our hands. If we then are snacking on food that we buy after picking that receipt up, then we're increasing that exposure, and those exposures can be significant. All of those steps that I just walked through, like I said, it might take somebody six months to go through those, but it's like we just want to start making systematic changes that will help to reduce what we're being exposed to. Now, at the same time that we're working on reducing what we're exposed to, we also want to amplify our ability to actually get rid of the things that we can't avoid and the things that are already in us. And this is where the everyday detox conversation comes in. So I, you know, I'm happy to kind of dive into, into that because I know that that, like, that action can be just as important and can be really, really powerful in helping people start to feel better wherever they are on their, on their sort of healing journey. Absolutely. Yeah, we have a couple more minutes, honey, so give us a couple pointers. So one is get those six to nine cups of veggies in because that not only is going to give your body the nutrients it needs to break down those toxins in your liver and get them out of the body, but they're going to add enough fiber in bulk that you are going to be assured, hopefully, to be pooping at least once a day, which is like if you're not pooping, that you're not detoxing at all. Like that's, I mean, maybe not at all, but you're, you're severely compromised. And what happens is as that, you know, poop kind of gets stuck in your body, your body's reabsorbing those toxins. So you want to get that out. If you're not pooping, nothing else is, is, you know, more important than getting that train rolling, get that train rolling and out of the station. And so pooping every day, we can do things like sauna therapy, sauna, getting in the sauna every single day, or at least a couple times a week, if you can, is excellent. Uh, we excrete so many different chemicals through our sweat. And in fact, some chemicals excrete preferentially through sweat rather than urine. So people think, oh, I'll pee it out. No, you actually need to sweat it out. That's how, how you get rid of some of these chemicals. So doing sauna therapy regularly, and then even doing things like dry brushing is a great way to move lymph fluid through your body. This is one of our, our systems of detoxification. And the lymph doesn't have a pump like our heart does. It moves when we move. So that means exercise. And that means things like dry brushing, which help move that fluid 
through the lymph nodes where they can, you know, that waste can be processed. And those things are, are just really critically important. I love them. Those are easy things. Yes, those are easy things. Laura, honey, now that we've got a, like at least a starting place, right? Not only in what we can do externally, but also what we can do to love our body every single day, that combination hopefully helping to reduce um, the amount of toxic load we're dealing with. Where else can we plug into you? Because I know you've got so many great resources. I mean, girl, you've got, you are the, a plethora of resources. Yeah. So if people just want to kind of learn more and lurk over my shoulder into this conversation, they can check out my Instagram, which is at environmental toxins nerd. I've got a ton of great information over there. And for anybody who happens to be listening, who's a health professional or somebody who's super motivated, they can come check out my courses at lauraadler.com. Perfect. All right. We will make sure we'll have all of those links inside. I love your Instagram. I love, I love the content is so consumable. It's really, it gives a lot of food for thought as well. And I love that you inspire people with that because it's the little things that kind of stick into our minds that really begin to have us take those, those action steps to creating a healthier body, not only for us, but for our families. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, honey, for jumping on girl. You are amazing. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Thank you. So did you love that Laura started off with the free options to reduce your daily toxic exposure? I personally love the ways that she shared how we can significantly reduce our toxic burden versus nutrient-dense foods, oils, dry brushing, and even using a sauna. And I think doing all those things as often as possible are so key. Even drinking 20 ounces of water with lemon supports our liver and our organs. So if you're ready to take a deeper dive into reducing environmental toxins, go and check out Laura's website. As I mentioned, she is a wealth of information when it comes to environmental toxins and environmental exposures. The link for her website will be in the show notes for episode 169. And if you are finally ready to crush those cravings, increase your energy, drop the stubborn belly fat, and experience powerful results by repairing your gut, liver, and hormones, We are about to close the doors on our spring 14-day hormone detox, which officially starts on March 2nd. There is no better time than the present to love up on your body and your hormones. I can't wait to personally meet you in our private detox group and cheer you on the entire 14 days. The link to sign up with me will be in the show notes as well for episode 169 or simply go to drmarisa.com slash detox. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. On this next episode, I'm bringing on Amy Smith to share her powerful insights on people-pleasing and being consumed by what other people think and how to finally say no by setting up some big boundaries. I'm excited for Amy to come on because goodness knows I have been there and most likely you have too. And she is going to be rocking the house with the boundary setting techniques. Until then, I can't wait. Have a wonderful week.